0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You, You... Get to draft against you know three, five, ten man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on Draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded Draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL, PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. It keeps getting better, better and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day the event finishes. But they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second drafts are filling. They have them up until your games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Play in a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money-back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SDSports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba.
2: another edition of bench with bubba this is episode 71 joined by a special guest tonight you can uh, find him on twitter at fantasy wrath we talk a lot of fantasy draft prep and other fantasy baseball information michael rathburn how you doing tonight
3: hey buddy doing well thanks for having me
2: no i appreciate it man this is a pretty cool deal i appreciate you finding the time to join us on a sunday night um Before we get into some of this draft prep and some other cool things you're involved with right now, we'll talk some recent news. Uh, You, Darvish finally kind of had one of the big names signed this season. Uh, Goes to the Cubs. Everyone's kind of had mixed reviews on Darvish. Too many people, in my opinion, are hanging on the postseason, which was, you know, there's stories now, tippy pitches and whatnot. Going to Chicago, the the quote-unquote, you know, Wrigley Field, Windy City, what are your thoughts on how he – plays out in chicago this year
3: yeah i mean um i i used to be on darvish um back when he first came into the league of course he had an edge nobody knew him um and before the back issues really started to kind of you know like when when it looked like he was definitely like a lock for a certain number of innings and um you know that you were locking in strikeouts and but, you know, he's 31 now. There's a lot of innings, you know, piling up. Um, I'm not as concerned, like kind of what you were saying. I'm not as concerned about the performance. I'm more concerned about the physical. And at his age, um, you know, the, this back situation, and just he's always had certain injuries floating around. And I just... I just think that I'm looking at people projecting him, and I know he threw 187 innings last year. Um, I just really have a tough time penciling him in for 150. Like, I think 150 is about where you want to be on him. And if he's going to be 150, and maybe I'm coming in lower than what everyone else is, but it's really hard for me to take him as a top 20 pitcher if I think he's only going to go 150, 160. And that's kind of my thought on it. So he's probably a guy that I'm going to pass. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem with him going to Chicago. I mean, obviously being in L.A. would have been the most um, advantageous situation because of the park. But, um, you know, going to Chicago is fine. He should get wins. Um, but I'd be concerned about him in the second half wearing down and if that back flares up.
2: Yeah, uh, I can't blame you all. all. The injury history is just quite uh, concerning too many, and he did put in the workload, like you said, you know, 185 or so innings back to back years. But prior to that, 100, 144 NFBCs. He's going 51st overall, which to me is rich. High. For,
3: yeah, too rich for me. I mean, I can get car. I don't know what Carlos Martinez is going, but um, I'm just looking at some some projections here, and I think I got more faith in him. than you I got do. Martinez
2: at 54.
3: Yeah, I mean, if I'm picking between one or the other, I'm definitely going Martinez.
2: No, I can't fault you. Like Darvish has been in all the mocks I've done and everything else, he's been one of those. I'm like, yeah, I just I, I can't.
3: Like, rich, kind of, we're we're gonna get into um, you know, what I call industry darlings and and yep. why you want to avoid them. Play. You know, is um, there's always gonna be somebody that's gonna feel like he's gonna go 200 innings and give them 250 Ks. And all you need is one in a draft, and That's so, so true. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be that one. Especially with him signing with the Cubs, yeah. um, there's gonna be several people who are just gonna make him their number one. And if people are willing to make him their number one, then I'm bowing out. I'm not well, bowing and
2: out. and like you just said, is the two things you just said is a he's gonna be on the Cubs. So people forget now he's a National League pitcher. There's more chances he gets pinch up for. Don't forget Joe Madden That's loves to point. play mind. That's a good point. That's a really good point. He loves to play those games. Okay, I got six innings. I'm going to play. You know, defensive switches. I'm going to do this down here. That's Joe Madden to a T. That's I what he does. See
3: that. They're going to want to nurse him too. Like they're going to want to nurse yeah. him. Like I'm. I'm looking at some projections of got, You know, I'm seeing one person is got him at 194. One guy's got him at 189.
2: Um, 194 is crazy.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see that. No, I mean he yeah, see- went 187 last year, but um, I don't. I don't see it. I don't know. I, I, I think 150,
2: 160, yeah. And that's fair because besides the National League thing with the Cubs is to try to pencil in 200 innings, there's only like a handful of guys that do that anymore. It's not the old days of baseball. Yep. So it's tough. Like I, I'm not – I've talked about it before. I'm not usually a pitcher's early guy. I've been a little more lately just for how steep the drop-off is after the first you know, six, seven guys. But I want one of those top guys. Otherwise, I'm going to wait because they all kind of start molding together for the most part. Yeah,
3: we'll talk about that. Um, actually, I've had the yeah. same pitching strategy for a long time, and I don't think I'm going to deviate from it this year um, mm-hmm. unless I start seeing guys uh, jumping rounds um, mm-hmm. then I may have to jump around too. But um, mm-hmm. I've got a group of guys that I really like in a strategy that I usually – has, has done me well for like 10 years. So.
2: All right. Before we get into some kind of draft prep ideas, you're going to tout wars this year. Is this your first year?
3: It is. Um, and I was going to put in for it last year, but, um, my son was a little over a year old and, um, just too much going on at the time and, um, didn't want to make the commitment, uh, knowing I wasn't going to be able to prep for it. and, And, you know, so, um, it's, it's something that's really, really hard. Like It's only like 60 spots, um, but you're basically looking at like maybe five to eight new people a year at the most. Um, I don't know how many new people are getting in this year. I don't think it's that many. Um, so I felt like I was really, really surprised. I was thinking the answer was going to be no, hey, we don't have room. But um, when I got the answer that it was a yes, I was pretty happy. Um, it's a big deal. I'm not going to play it down. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a really big deal. If somebody would have told me 10 years ago that I would have been in, in it, um, I would have told you no way, but, um, it goes to, you know, like, I think one of the things that you got to do in this industry is you got to be really humble and you got to really like, um, make friends and, uh, like be a good guy to people and just really, really you know, build relationships and mm-hmm. it can open a lot of doors. If you want to work in the industry full-time, part-time, or you want to play in leagues. Um, no one's going to invite you if they all think you're a jerk. Yep. So, you know, that one of the things where I, have always tried to um, be on the good side of everybody. So,
2: no, it's so, so true. Is there's a lot of really good minds out there that are doing this, but if you start stepping on too many toes, it's not going to work out too well for you. So, Definitely true. And Tout Wars is a big deal for if, – if people are listening to this and don't know what Tout Wars is, go look it up. It's pretty much where it all started. It's one of the biggest of the big. Um, are you doing mixed, AL, or NL only? What are you doing? Uh,
3: head-to-head, which is a new league that they've been doing, I think, for a couple years. Um, okay. And um, it's a pretty decent group. Um, there's there's definitely some heavy hitters in the, in the group and, um, you know, uh, uh, a lot of friends. So that's even better.
2: Awesome. Uh, without giving away too many, you know, insights here, do you have any initial strategies on, on attacking this? Or are you, are you going to stick to kind of what's been working for you for years now?
3: Well, this is 12-team mixed auction, and it's head-to-head. So, um, you know, general theory would be – um. You want to, you know, like last year, Paul Sporer went heavy stars and scrubs. I
2: remember that. Yeah. And
3: so I'm not sure I would go as heavy as he did. But um, like two years ago, I was in the flex league, which is like the tout wars equivalent for football. And I, and, and it was auction, and I went Antonio Brown, David Johnson, and everyone ripped me. Um, and a funny thing about it is uh, I had to trade David Johnson like week five, week six, because I had, you know, issues. But if I had kept Brown and Johnson on that same team, I would have been completely fine and, and probably made a, a really, really good run. So um, I have no problem going heavy on a couple of guys. I don't think I can do what Spora did. I think he went heavy on three. Um, how, did
2: Spora, how did Spora do? I can't remember.
3: I, you know, that's the funny thing. I was trying to find the standings, and um, I just wasn't able to get the standings. So i got to keep digging around because that's something that I'm certainly going to look at. Um what i'm looking at is i'm looking at who did what last year like vlad sedler won the league and he had some really good plucks um i think alex wood was one of his reserve picks so that was you know that was nice but um and he's not in the league um the winner moves up to a different league so vlad's out which i'm not shedding any tears cuz he's one of well- the best guys around yeah, he's in my uh, he's in my great
2: fantasy invitational league. I'm I'm looking oh, forward yeah, to it. I'm so yeah. looking forward to it.
3: <laughs> Dark infested water. Um so I'm looking at what he did last year. Um I'm looking at kind of like, you know, what the percentage was on hitting, what the percentage was on pitching, um, you know, what did closures go for. I'm I'm really gonna break down what happened in the auction last year and then look at the results and where people kinda came out and um it's pretty interesting to look at some of the teams. Some of the teams were were, you know, pretty pretty bad. So um yeah. it's interesting to see if that's gonna repeat itself or um you know, um one of the things that jumped out to me last year is Yasmani Grandal went for fourteen bucks. So I, I don't know. Yeah the context around that. I don't know if there was some kind of bidding war. I don't know if it was at the end of the draft and the person just spent money, but um, that was something that obviously that was a big mistake. Um, So think for me, um, I certainly wouldn't mind coming out of it with two guys that are first rounders um, and look to make that up elsewhere. Um, I'm pretty good at finding value. So, you know, I certainly will have a list of guys that I'm going to be, you know, wanting to look at. But um, if I can get a couple of my first round targets in the auction, I'll be happy with that.
2: That's not a bad idea because especially in the era we're in now this year to begin with, I haven't done a ton of auction research price wise or anything, but uh, they're just on mock drafts from other just regular drafting, there is a ton of value out there. A lot of value. So Yeah, in the twelve that's teamer, a yeah, and the
3: twelve teamer, like you're gonna find the, the player pool's just not stretched as much. So no, you certainly not at all. find value. So that's why I think Sporo did what he did. Yeah. Um and I remember hearing an in interview with him talking about that. Yeah. Um just, you know, his strategy was now he certainly took a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Um and when I looked at his draft, you know, it's kinda like there was certainly some um, you know, it's just all, you know, it's pitching, obviously he's a pitching guru and he, he figured, Hey, I'm just going to drop big time money on hitters. And I know I can find pitching value and that's just what I'm going to do. And so I totally get it. Um, that's his wheelhouse. Like he, he went trout, Harper, Vado, Arenado. He actually went four big boys. So three first rounders and a second rounder. Um, and he went Archer at pitcher, and he had a bunch. And his pitching staff was a ton of one dollar. Now, here's what he did, and this this was awesome on his part. He struck on Marcelo Zuna at a buck, oh, and wow. so that really, I mean, he probably profited twenty five thirty dollars on one player, and he didn't really lose a lot of like he you know forty one on Vado, forty one on Arenado. 50 on Trout. Obviously, Trout got hurt, but there's no way you could predict that. Yeah, Harper it, right? at 44, you know, that situation, he got hurt too. Um, I don't see any, um, any, like, he didn't get crushed on anybody other than Trevor Story at 25. And, again, Trevor Story got hurt. So, you know, he just had a ton of $1 guys, and that was the strategy he went with. And I get it. I understand where he was coming from. Um, I don't think I would go that aggressive, but I think I'm certainly going to go down that path.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, one last question on this. and We'll kind of transition to more draft prep talk. When people hear the term expert league, um, some, you, some interviews you listen to, they talk about how they draft a certain way compared to others. How do you approach an expert league compared to just, you know, your friendly regular drafts so that you might have just friends or something like that?
3: Yeah. Um, I personally take it very serious. And I play from the beginning to the end. Um and I um a lot of you know, I, I do. I wanna win. Um I play to win and these leagues I I just I have a lot of respect for everybody in the league, but I wanna win. And I'm gonna work my rear end off. Like this league will absolutely have my number one priority this year, um, over any money league. So, um you know, I, I, again, I'm going to study what happened last year. Uh, I know everybody in the league for the most part. I know who are the Sharks and who aren't. And um, I'm going to go in and I'm going to be very prepared. And um, I'm I'm, I'm going to have a plan and I'm not going to deviate from that plan. And hopefully I can come out uh, with a team that I like and can compete. And, again, I want to win. Um but um, if I can at least come in, like, the top three, I'd be happy with that. But I, I'm looking to win.
2: No, nope, I understand that completely. Okay, let's talk some draft prep. Uh, a lot of people, like you said, they talk players, they do this, that, the other. When do you start draft prepping? Because you see people, you know, tweeting things out or whatever in December or January. And I am one of the biggest baseball people, fan-wise, stats-wise, whatever you can talk to. I'm not the biggest. I get that. But I'm one of the biggest. And I still need to take some time to kind of get into the the groove. Um, How early do you start and what starts your draft prep for baseball?
3: I start usually looking after the first of the year. Um, I I just, you know, too involved with NFL. And I just usually wait till the NFL regular season is over. And then as soon as that regular season is over, um, I'm I'm hitting. I'm I'm hitting – You know, I mean, certainly pulling my own stats from fan graphs and looking at stuff and trying to get a feel for, um, you know, first half, second half, what happened with the player. I'm looking at any kind of shifts, you know, like any changes in in, um, splits. You know, did a left-handed hitter really start struggling against left-handed pitching? Did a right-handed hitter really start struggling against right-handed pitching? Did somebody make huge strides and huge improvements and that's a precursor moving forward um, from a hitter perspective. Um, I'm definitely like sites like Masters Ball already, you know, Todd does an incredible job with his player capsules where all that information is right there at your fingertips. Dan um, Graffs does a great job. You can go get a manual and get a bunch of different stuff. Um, Baseball HQ Forecaster um, does a lot like what Todd at Masters Ball does. Um, and so – You know, I'm looking at the last three years. Where's the player trending? Where are they going first half, second half? Um, And what were the dollar values that they produced? And what is a realistic dollar value projection for this player? And then I start hitting that NFBC ADP and I start matching dollar values with ADPs to see who are the outliers. Who are the guys that are being pushed up too much? Who are the guys that are being overlooked? And I start building a list of guys that I'm going to avoid and guys that I'm going to absolutely target. And then you start doing a lot of mock drafts. And I just, you know, grab a mock draft software. I start doing mock drafts, 12-teamers, 4 to 15-teamers, AL only and only, uh, drafting from every position in the draft to see how a team, you know, how is my team going to play out? Do I have to reach on a guy around early? Can I wait on a guy? Um, you know, so I try to get a good feel for how the team construction is going to be with the players that I kind of already, you know, that I'm liking based on the research that I've done and just start getting comfortable with, um, you know, where those players are going and who's moving up and who's moving down and hitting roster resource. Um, that's a huge, a huge site for me in terms of where's the player projected to hit in the lineup. Um, what are the depth charts who are platoons? Who's not? Um, all that kind of stuff.
2: A couple of questions there. Um, when you look, when you're when you're mentioning dollar values, for those that might not know what you're talking about, how do you translate dollar values? Like, because I know you're you're referring to how much they earned last year compared to maybe what their auction price was compared to coming into this season. Can you break that down, kind of quickly, on how you you look at that?
3: Yeah, so I think it was Jeff Zimmerman that did the article on FanGraphs where he did the chart where um, he gives a dollar value for every position in the draft, and that's kind of how that's what I look at. I look at it and say, um, Mike Trout's going number one. What is what is one hundred one worth? Uh, one hundred one might be worth forty seven dollars. You know, what's he going for last year? In this league, he went for 50. Um, There's going to be a little bit of – I'm assuming there's going to be a little bit of inflation in this league because it is a 12-team mixed. So I'm assuming guys are going to be more than willing to pay a few more dollars at the top because they know there's going to be a ton of $1 guys. So I'm going to factor that in. Um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that Jeff Zimmerman chart where he's got the dollar values assigned for every spot in the draft. And then I'm looking at where guys are going. What did they produce over the last three years? What are they projected to produce this year? Are they in line with their ADP? Are they extremely off? You know, are they, are they three rounds above three rounds below? Uh, Could it be even more than that? So I'm, I'm just looking at where ADP matches up with the dollar values. Um, I don't, I don't really use ADP for drafting only from the standpoint of um, I just want to make sure that if I need to take a guy around earlier, I know, I I know I need to, or if I, I'm looking at value, Hey, this guy's consistently going in the 10th, 11th round. I don't need to draft him in the eighth. I can wait till the ninth. And, And because he's given me, he's, he's providing value, you know, maybe his slot, Maybe his, his ADP slots were anywhere from, you know, 10 to $14. But he's projected to be 18 by three different sources this year. Um, and, hey, maybe, you know, people might be using those same sources. That's fine. But I don't know if they're using the same approach. So I'm not worried about it so much. Um, look, there's not going to be if – you, if you look at these Telt War auctions – There's not a lot of deviation from the projected values in the industry. It's mostly comes down to roster construction and who these individual industry um, analysts like. That's really what it comes down to. Um, You know, one guy might have Trey Turner as a $40 player. One guy might have him as a $32 player. Just depends on who's higher, who's lower.
2: And that that's a great point is I've had people ask me questions like, Where, when would you take this guy compared to this guy or to that guy? I said, well, a lot of it has to be what's your roster look like? Where are you at in the draft? How do you value? Because everyone values players differently. There's right. a ton. you got to remember, um, to
3: there's, there could be young players. There could be unproven players. There could be players mm-hmm. in their prime. There's injury-prone players and there's veteran players. You don't want to have – a team full of one or two of those types of player profiles. You want to have a team that has a mix of everything because you're going to get value on veteran. Like you're going to get veterans at a discount for the most part. Cause you got a lot of age, aged, you know, ages people and they don't want to, they don't want to spend money on Adrian Beltre. Um, that's fine in the right situation. I will, um, you've got people that love young players because they want to be the smartest guy in the room. I'll take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to overspend on young players. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bid up and, and try to own the guys that are going in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that people are hot on because there's a tax and i I'll just sit back and take the the younger guys that are going in the twenty the twenty in twenties in the twenty fourth round. If I can get guys for a buck or two, I got no problem doing that you know I, you know what somebody's gonna drop thirty two dollars on Reese Hoskins, that's fine. I'm probably not gonna be that guy um but I'll tell you what I'll find somebody that's a similar type of player potentially that I can get late for two or three bucks.
2: That's a good point. That's like a guy like last year going to last year. you probably got, I, I I haven't looked at the values from last year, but you probably could have got like a Joey Gallo for like a buck. And yeah, you know, you know, and yep. bad never really uh, might've dinged you a bit, but OBP power wise, that guy was off the charts for you for a dollar.
3: Yeah. I'm looking, I'm actually, Let um, me let's see while we're, let's see.
2: Yeah, but uh, it's just it's Gallo just didn't
3: even go. Gallo wasn't even oh, didn't even go in this twelve was, team mix.
2: And see, that's the point right there is there's yeah. always guys. But what you what you were saying is something that I try to drive home, and I know it's it's a great great point. Is there's those people that always want to get the young stud like the Bellinger, the Hoskins. because they want to have the Judge all. didn't
3: go in that. Yeah, week. Aaron Judge,
2: Aaron Judge didn't even go. Well, there you go, there you go. They always want to have the young guys, and like you said, is you kind of need to build your. It's almost you don't want to say the word. Balanced is what you want, but it's kind of what you're going for. And you want those upside guys, but you don't want those upside guys to take you know, you want to spend the money on the proven commodity more than you do on the risky commodity, in my opinion. Um I think that's kinda of where you're heading with that. That's what it sounded like. So that's
3: fair. Yeah, I'm zipping through. Um as far as uh some you know, some overpays on younger players. Um I mean, I don't see anything off the top of my head, I don't see anything that was completely out of whack um jonathan at 28 might have been a little crazy but hey people were buying in um outside of that i don't really see you know i, I don't see again you're not gonna see any kind of whacked out um price uh, you know other than the grand Dahl thing i don't i didn't see anything that really stood out to me that said wow that was you know that was a gross mispay you know i think it's it's going to be really really tight um and so like like i said it comes down to roster construction and that's kind of what i'm looking at like i'm looking at some teams where you know i can see where uh, t- you know one particular team just took so much risk on players that were boomer bust and injury prone and it yeah. showed, it showed, it showed in the, in, the, in, the, um, in, the, in the performance of that particular team. That particular team didn't, didn't do well. Um, and it's no question why the roster construction was flawed from the beginning.
2: Now, you mentioned how you kind of use ADP as kind of a gauge on, you know, am I going too soon, too late, but you don't make it your end-all, be-all. And you like your, your strategy of when you're in your construction, your data, when you're talking about rankings, do you make your own? Your own? Do you go by all these sites and kind of figure them out, kind of what they're using? How do you go about rankings? Do you prefer tiers? Because I know that's kind of one of the big things the last few years is if I make a tier ranking and I get my guy to make sure I get someone no the later, like the second tier, so on and so forth, which I can see a ton of value behind that, especially when you want a balanced roster. What do you go about when you're looking at your rankings, your tiered rankings, stuff like that?
3: Yeah. I actually don't. Um, I don't do tiers. Um, what I do is um, I look at three or four um, sites that I trust and I try to get kind of a consensus. And then I'll look at it from my own perspective um, and I'll say, um, I really like this player. I think I can exploit Um, because three or four people that I trust have this guy ADP 200. um, But I really like the player and I think the player can, you know, outperform that ADP and, and, you know, significantly. I don't, I don't put a range on it because I don't think you can ever predict it to, you know, Ozuna was 230 last year. Could you predict him as number, you know, first rounder? No, but you can look at a player like that and say, I think, the potential was there for him to significantly outperform ADP. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm, you know, what I'm looking at. I'm looking at um, players who I think are going to like, who are the players that are going to land on ADP? Like are really, really sure bets um, that, you know, again, you not every pick is going to hit. But you want to come as close to breaking even on every pick as you can, but you got to profit on some. Like Rob Silver um, has a really good uh, take, and he says, you know, in a two hundred and sixty dollar budget, you really need to be uh, producing about three hundred and ten or three hundred and twenty in order to win the league. And that's that's certainly the outlook that I'll take. Now, if you're going with twenty three players and five six reserves. You know, you means you got to you got to profit like two to three dollars on every player on average. But that's not going to happen because half your guys are going to bust. So what you're hoping for is that your guys that bust just don't bust really, really hard. And your guys that that hit break even or outperform. And certainly the the forty dollar guy is not going to outperform. Um, you're just hoping that he hits or comes close to hitting. Um you know, Mookie Betts last year was, was pushing as high as second, but he still came in as a second rounder, whereas half of the guys in the first round crapped out. So, you know, uh, you, you can still win as long as first rounder doesn't hit first round value. You just got to make sure that first rounder doesn't completely, you know, again, that's mostly going to be because of injury. Um, And so, most of the guys that busted last year in the first round, it was because of injury outside of Machado. And then we know that was a BABIP issue. Um, and it's just it's just a numbers game. Half the guys in the first round are going to bust. And just, you know, I, I've got a couple of guys in the first round that I feel like are not going to bust unless they get hurt. And they don't have injury history. So I'm more than willing to go up and, and pay.
2: No, no, I like that philosophy. Like you said, is. It's one thing I look as your early draft guys. You're expecting what you expect, and more often than not, they're going to produce barring an injury. And you can't predict an injury; you just can't. You right, can look at but, injury. You can look at injury prone guys. Sure.
3: Right. Right. But yep. you can't. Yeah, you can't I'm not, I'm not touching guys. injury prone guys in that in that first round. I'm just not because the likelihood they're going to do it again is is there. Like, like you need a player that's going to play 145 150 games. Definitely, And you need to, you need to put yourself in the best position for that player to do that. Um, The, one of the things I'll, I'll, you know, I, I try to stay away from outfielders in the first round. Outfielders have a tendency of getting more, more injury prone because of the nature of the position. So I'm not as, uh, you know, I, I do try to stay away from outfielders in the first round. Um, I got no problem going first base, third base, even middle infield for the most part. But um, that's just one of the things that I personally do. I stay away from as in the first.
1: We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand. Can compete with roto in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. If you use the promo code DGENS D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba.
2: Well, you don't do outfielders in the first round. How do you approach starting pitchers in your draft?
3: I'm usually the one that – I've been doing like fourth, fifth round back-to-back. Back. Yeah. Um, what I try to do is I try to identify a group of guys that I feel very strongly about that can either hit value or outperform that that position. And, um, you know, so I'm looking at like um, – Like the Carrasco, DeGrom, Severino, that trio. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really trying to get two out of the three if possible. Um, I don't mind going Martinez. Um, That's, you know, I'm looking to try to get two out of those four. I'm not in love. um, If I'm picking late in the first round and I can scoop one of the top four. Kershaw, Sale, Scherzer, Kluber, um, and I can go pitcher, ace, and then I can go good, good bat. Um, I'll do it. But for the mm-hmm. most part, um, I, I really like trying to wait to the fourth, fifth.
2: No, I see
3: I'm going to have yeah. to go third, fourth.
2: That's the thing. Is that's said and done. yeah, that's yeah. a philosophy I've used forever. But that whole Degrom, Syndergaard, Carrasco tree, it's it's moving closer yeah. to the third round. That's the only. Frustrating yep. part for guys and, and like that. Uh, I
3: think there's a drop off. Um, massive drop off. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of guys that I'm in love with right after that. So that's kind of where I'm getting the hitters.
2: Yeah. Um, Especially after like the Carlos Martinez group around yep. 50 to 55, it drops mm-hmm. dramatically after yeah.
3: that. Yeah. And there's some guys I'm not in love with, like um, Darvish and Archer and Arrieta, and I'm not in love yeah. with that group. Um, uh, I don't mind Grinky. Um, I think he's been proven durable enough to, you know, to be in a good spot. Um, I think Granky would be another guy that if I can come out with Carrasco and grinky or Severino and Granky, I think I'm going to be happy with that.
2: And I, I, This is kind of one of those industry darlings you talked about. And we'll talk about industry darlings in a bit, but what's your thoughts in that same area? You can go like a Carrasco, NOLA.
3: Oh, yeah. Um yeah, you can wait. Um, Nola is a big, uh, big top I, of the I like him. I like him a lot. Um, yeah, uh, that's a guy that. Um, yeah, there's certain industry people that are definitely on him. I mean, he proved to be very consistent. Um, I have no it. Like the thing I like about Nola, I really feel like he's a guy that if I'm grabbing one of those top four that's kind of the guy that I'm targeting as my sp2 like okay. I know I can wait but like uh, you know whether it's Paxton whether it's Granky, whether it's you know whether it's Nola like I, I kind of have that group um I don't mind Garrett Cole as an sp2 so okay. um you know what man I'm looking at like let people take um the Robbie Ray's of the world or the Luis Castillo's or the Jose Barrios um I got no problem taking Garrett Cole and Aaron Nola and, and you know guys like that I know it you know I think so many people want to be the smartest guy in the room and they want to, it, and it, it, it's just more than not uh, oftentimes it fails
2: they always want that shiny toy um you mentioned Babbitt when talking about Manny Machado. Like, there's all these new stat cast data that's out there. There's all these deep analytical stats that everyone's kind of delving into to differentiate player A from player B. A, how do you look at these stats? And B, do you even care about these stats at all when it comes to breaking down who you're looking
3: at? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, hard hit rate. Is certainly something that you know. I think is is something you got to pay attention to. Um, and then it's it's one of those things where I look at hard hit rate against righties and hard hit rate against lefties, and see if there's anything there underlying. Um, you know, are they hitting the ball on the ground a ton against lefties, and that's why they're they're struggling and. You know, or is that, I think that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I know some people look at the pitches and what a a hitter does against a pitch. Um, I I I just don't go that deep, and I don't have time. But um, I think for the most part, I'm definitely looking at hard hit rates is something that, um, you know, that that's you know positive for me.
2: When you you mentioned you like to look at uh, stuff like Bakota. What do you what are you kind of looking at when you're looking at because you know they they get all their projections on the team win loss players numbers what are you looking at when it comes to Pakoda?
3: Ah, uh, I'm looking at outliers of ADP. Um, who do they you know where the who do they have projected? Um, you know, looking at like the VORP and stuff like that, and just seeing like who are they really really high on that's a complete outlier. And are they the only ones or are there other people that are, you know, looking at them as, you know, outliers as well? And just, you know, why do they like this particular player? Um, and you know, is it that far off from other projection sites? And, you know, then you're looking at it and you're like, okay, you know, they really, really like this guy. Is it realistic? Um, You know, and then if if they really, really like somebody, then I'll start digging into it and I'll look at it further and I'll go on fan graphs and I'll just really do a deep dive on that player. And I'll look at, you know, a lot of different metrics and just say, is it warranted? Um, One of the things I'll look at is I'll look at monthly splits Um, instead of just first half, second half. I'll look at, you know, did this particular player? were they consistent throughout the year or did they have two or three monster months and just two or three really bad months and maybe the player was injured during those months and you know kind of looking at what the potential ceiling is for a player um and that's kind of ties into the DFS thing I know that's something that we were going to talk about but one of the one of the things I look at is I I have a database of every um uh, every game that a, that a player played last year from a DFS perspective. And I actually will look at the points per game by month and how many games do they play and how many at-bats do they have. And I'll say, you know, what's this player's floor and what's this player's ceiling? And I might stumble across somebody and be like, you know what, man, this guy was um, in the top 10, three out of six months out of the year but he really struggled in three other months for whatever reason. Maybe it was matchups, maybe it was injury, you know, whatever. Um, And then I'll say to myself, wow, you know, the last three out of four months of the year, this guy was like a top five, you know, in a point per game basis at his position, but he's like 20th in ADP at the position. Maybe that's something I can exploit because no one else is really looking at it from that perspective. They're just looking at stats. They're not looking at what the player's, ceiling could be and that's really for players you know deep um you know how many people know that kurt suzuki was number two in points per game at catcher last year well he didn't get a full-time at bat of course he split time with tyler flowers but again you know if you had if you had paired the braves catchers last year they were actually the best hitting tandem in the league
2: Yeah, I was talking about that with those two guys on a podcast recently, breaking down catchers. That if you're in a daily moves league, draft those two guys together, and you have one of the best catchers in all of baseball.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Um, It's
2: crazy what those two. That doesn't.
3: That's not to say that you want to go cheap on catcher because from the most here, the thing is most of the time when you go, the one dollar catcher thing is like the worst thing you can ever do. Yes. But neither one of those guys really – I think Spore had flowers. The thing is, I was on flowers last year too because if you look at what he did in the second half of the season, that's kind of where the, DFS, um, where the DFS thing came into play for me on him. When I looked at him first half, second half, points per game, his points per game in the second half in 2016 was off the charts compared to what he did first half. And then when they're moving into the new ballpark, it just really – elevated him to the point where in any super deep league, I was I was getting him as a second catcher.
2: No, that's a great, great point. Uh, I like how you mentioned uh, how the DFS comes into play because I'm a big DFS guy. You're a big DFS guy. And I think that, like, the new era of how DFS is growing in these sports, it makes a big impact on how we view things. Like you just said, you, you can see things – the season long I might miss and, and you're talking about it. You, you broke it down, you know, a guy like Cesar Hernandez, uh, you know, he's going twenty fifth at the second base position, ADP of two fifty four, and he was tenth in points per game at second base. Guys like Beltray, Marcus Simeon at shortstop, these are guys I'm I love as late value yep. picks and guys I'm guessing yeah. right now oh, yeah. what you're looking at. Yeah, and those- everyone's
3: everyone's the- crapping everyone's crapping on him because yep. they're they're looking at, they're looking at just what they did a year ago. Yep. Um, Marcus Simeon is supposed to hit leadoff um, That's tremendous Adrian Beltre is going to hit in the middle of the lineup in Texas I mean, yeah, there's injury risk in Beltre But up until last year, he never really gotten hurt um, and, and everyone's throwing him away um, I love when people throw away a player And, uh, you know, I love doing the blind eye test And looking at a guy that's going in the sixth round And the projected numbers are the same as the guy going in the 12th mm-hmm. I'll take the guy in the 12th, I'll just wait um, and if I need to, you know, if I need to pluck my, my closer in the sixth, because I know I can get the same hitter in the twelfth, I'll jump up and get get the Kimbrel or the or the who, you know whoever, or the Chapman or whoever. I'll you know, and I'll and I'll take a risk like that where I normally wouldn't. But you know, if I think there's guys I can get later, and I know there's guys early that people are just going to jump on because they're blindly going off ADP or they're blindly going off of projections consensus projections or whatever it's like not everybody gets these things right man like the best that's people that, are getting yeah. right five sixty percent of the time so you know, you've know got to have your own spin on things you got to have your own wrinkle and i think for me is i'm constantly looking for players that are going late and i'm just looking at it and i'm like that's a guy i'm not, i know no one's going to be hot to trot on this guy and if i gotta if i gotta go around early on a guy like that i will um, I got no problem doing it. I mean, is, really, is there any difference between the 18th and the 17th round? Not at all. No. Not, really. <laughs> not at all. Not, I mean, even no. the 19th, you know, because no. like, in the first, second, third, fourth round, you don't want to be jumping rounds. Exactly. But in the 17th, 18th round, if I got to go up one or two mm-hmm. rounds to get the guy, that's um, – because I still think the guy's going to be like a five, six-round profit. So I got no problem, you know, going up a round or two.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, You mentioned something about post hype players. And I know exactly what you're talking about. You have, you know, going into last year's draft, there's everyone's, you know, darlings. They wanted to have this guy, this guy, and this guy, and they all duffed like even Johnny VR could technically be one of those guys. Um, There's a ton of them. How do you approach those? Do you look at ADP? Do you look at, uh, you know, projections from fan or Dakota? How do you break all that down?
3: Yeah, with guys like that, I really I don't I don't I throw projections out the window because nobody is going to project a guy that's going in the two fifties to finish top one hundred. I mean, it's gonna rarely, um, rarely you're gonna see that. So um, if you do, everyone's probably gonna be on them, and it's gonna push the EDP up anyway. So what I'm looking at is um, I look at guys that are going and like that. 175 ADP or later. Um, I'm looking at like guys that are going in like after the 15th, 16th round. Um, And I'm, I'm saying to myself, where did the guy go a year ago? And like, remember David Dahl last year before he got hurt. hurt. Where was he going?
2: Early. Probably what? Top 200 round 200.
3: Somebody, somebody took him in the sixth round. Oh Jesus! In an industry, in an industry league,
1: mm-hmm.
3: in the sixth round. Wow. So I mean, yeah, that was a mistake, but still, the hype train was pumping because he had a really good sample, and it looked like he was going to be starting, and everybody was jonesing on. Now I'd never have paid. like that's that's a perfect example of a tax and industry darling. Like that's yeah. stupid. It's funny because the guy that did it always usually trashes young players that are unproven. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. um, yep. But anyway, um, so where's David Dahl now? He's uh, he's trash. Like everybody's throwing him out, man. <laughs> you know, like he's yep. he's garbage. Um, but man, if he falls late enough and it looks like he's going to get at bats, you know. I gotta think that you know, between injuries and just the players that are out there, it's like that's a guy. You know, um, remember members, two years
2: Doll's Dahl, going two forty four right now.
3: Yeah, so Jonathan Villar was a guy that I loved yeah. two years ago because it looked like he was going to be hitting at the top of the order. So Jonathan Villar, like pedigree, is a huge thing with me, and the Astros basically threw him away, and he was a former first rounder. Like first round picks, you know, I'm willing to take a chance on a guy bouncing back or getting playing time and produce, you know, if he's a first, second rounder, you know, or if he signed for big money and he fell in the draft or whatever. Um, Especially if the guy was young and he outperformed his level, his age versus level, things like that. So, um, you know, the Brewers are notorious for running. They put him at the top of the lineup. He had guys hitting behind him. I mean, everything was there for Velar, and he was, like, still in the 200s. It was crazy. Like, there was no reason for him to be in the 200s, and he was, because nobody was going to go out on a limb and project that guy to do anything. So then he had the monster year, comes back, you know, he's, just, you know, he's a second-rounder, of course, overvalued. Guys that go from the 200s into the top 20, usually it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, now you got to pay market. You don't want to pay market on a guy that's produced for one year. That's, that's silly. Time and time and time. Time and time again, people got burned. Where was Jose Peraza going last sure. year? Now he's, he's trash. Lately. He's thrown out. Yeah. Um, so my question, my thing on Villar was, I loved him, and I remember hearing all these so-called industry experts saying, "Oh, well, you can't draft that guy because Orlando RC is going to be up in two months, and so he's not even going to be on the field." Never happened. <laughs> yep so that was a you know now that's a guy I bring up Arcia because that's a guy that everybody was hot to trot for and now again has been thrown away as garbage. He actually had pretty good numbers in what he did last year and I love where he's going. yeah I love him. I mean he's got a great pedigree, he's in a really good lineup and who knows maybe he gets bumped up in the lineup due to injury or somebody not performing. And you know, I know Kane and Yellich are at the top, but man, what if Lorenzo Kane gets hurt yep. and pulls a hammy in spring training and all of a sudden they look at it and they say, Well, you know what? We're gonna put this kid at the top. Well, what is Orlando Garcia now worth? Done. He's going in the two hundreds and he's hitting lead off of the Brewers, how many rounds is he gonna jump? Yeah, true. Four, five, right, yeah. six rounds? You know, easy. I mean yeah, yeah. Easy. so it's one of those things where and he did nothing. It's it's one of those things where you got to kind of look at it and say, boy, if everything breaks right for this player, he could really seriously outproduce his ADP because his pedigree in this situation.
2: Yeah, it's like you're saying. It's like the pedigree, the what this player can produce to, and how close is he to opportunity? Opportunity knocking to jump him in that spot. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of that around too. Like you, you've mentioned. Um, you know, guys that can produce in multiple categories. How, how, how do you approach that compared to, you know, you know, your Joey Gallows of the world who now, given they produce maybe two or three categories, but it's not your, you guys that do it all. So, you know, yep. do you, el- how do you, how do you judge that kind of situation?
3: So what I do is I look at, um, I look at what the player produced last year um, dollar wise, but also what they produced in each category dollar wise. And then I look at this year, the projected dollar value and what they're projected to do in the category. And I look at players that produce. Um, the first thing I'll do is look at anybody that produced positive value in all five categories. Cause that list is going to be pretty low. It's pretty small. And a lot of times those guys are going to be at the top first, second, third rounders, rightfully so. However, you can find value in guys that maybe they didn't go crazy in any one particular category, but they were really good across the board. And so, you know, I'll look at a player and I'll say, boy, you know, this guy, um, what I'll do is if a guy produced positive value in every category, like five hitting categories, like I'll put a five next to his name. If the guy produced value in four hitting categories, I'll put a four next to his name. I kind of do you know, the one, two, three, four, five type of thing. And I'm looking for guys that are fours and fives. And, um, you know, sometimes it might be the guy that hit 40 home runs. But a lot of times it's a guy that's probably hitting, you know, 20, 25 home runs, getting 10, 15 steals, hitting 270, getting 80 runs and 80 ribbies. And oftentimes those players are overlooked because they're not one category monsters or they're not they're not three category monsters. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because what you're talking about is dollar production. True. And so, if I can get dollar production and find value on players that people are overlooking, it's almost like a money ball approach.
2: Yeah, I'm, true.
3: I'm just looking for guys that are going late, and I'm like, boy, this guy's going in the 200s. Man, remember Marco, like J. A. hap forever.
2: J. A. Happ is an, still super to this late. Day.
3: <laughs> Marco Strada, Irvin Santana, yeah. these are guys that have produced positive value, and like when you look at their dollar value versus ADP, it's there's, it, it, in the past, it's been way off the charts. Mm-hmm. And if I know I'm going to hit on value late, late on these guys, I'm more than willing to take chances early, not on young players early, but I'm more than willing to, to push players around. If I like those players, I'm more than willing to push guys up around.
2: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You're talking like the haps and you know urban santana's of the world and when you're taking those guys that's when guys are taking their gambles on like Blake Snells. huge
3: or yeah flash like Blake Snell this year no this year I
2: like them too like, but I like last year yeah no you're
3: absolutely right you know like I'll have that list of value guys and I'll just be sitting back and you know somebody might take I'm looking at like you know maybe somebody takes a chance on Dylan Bundy Lee or you know or I'm trying to think of like Julio Tehran who's just and I'll sit on somebody else and you know whether it's a Trevor Bauer or wherever I'm just like you know a Taiwan Walker or you know just somebody who I feel like is just being pushed down to the point where it's like wait a minute you know, this guy's going in the 250 range, but really and truly should be in at the 150 range based on his projected dollar value and what I think he can do. Um, there's tons of guys like that. And oh, that's, that's really what it point. comes down. You know, I'm not I'm never going to take a guy that um, I kind of stick to the board and I stick to the system. and I just don't reach on players unless it's somebody who I feel like is just, you know, again, is four or five rounds off on ADP and I'm, and I'm reaching a round or two.
2: And I, I think that that's kind of why we, we were going to have this discussion. And, and that kind of sums it up perfectly. There is, you know, you can do all the prep, you can go to all the websites, you can do all the mock drafts, all these things you do, but in the end you have your, you know, projections or values that you're looking at. And when it comes down to it is I'm going to make, you know, safe might not be the most exciting word in the book, but in reality, for people that, you know, pay attention to baseball, safe gets you a lot farther a lot more often than take, throwing that dart at the wall. You can, you know, go take four safe guys compared to four darts on the wall and tell me how it works out for you at the end of the game. And Yeah, kind of, like um,
3: I'll, take, yeah. You know, I'll take Marcus Simeon all day long over – He's going to get Paul you 20-plus
2: homers. With, you know, score you 70-plus yeah, runs with 70-plus rbi It yeah. steals bases.
3: Yeah. I mean, while guys are spending up on however your buy is and Paul DeJong, I'm probably yep. going to own Marcus and me. And and that, that, yeah. Good.
2: And that, that's what this is all about is people do your prep. Because one thing i I have emphasized on multiple podcasts is there are rankings and people rank them based on talent level at the time. So certain guys may be higher than one thinks. Does that mean you draft them there? No. That's the biggest thing I want to like emphasize and, I love all this discussion you've given us and we've we've talked about on this prep is, and like the Marcus Simeon example right there is perfect for it is, just because player A is ranked like third doesn't mean he's that much better than, you know, Marcus Simeon at 20-something. He's better, but to the extent, there's a lot of ways to attack a draft. Basically, that's coming down to you right there. Um, But do your prep. That's the bottom line. Um, I have two listener questions for you. We saw them come up on the feed on Twitter today. One is from at Heath Caps. To you, what is the better value? Christian Yelich at round five or Lorenzo Cain at round eight? Obviously, two new Milwaukee Brewers.
3: Yeah, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's Yelich. Um, I think Yelich has potential of returning um, two to three round um, profit. And I um, uh, haven't looked at exactly where his current ADP is at. But um, I'm assuming he's in like the fifth round. And, I'll, I'll look um, it up right now. Yeah. So uh, in the meantime, while we're um, yeah, pull up, pull it up.
2: Yellick's you know, going 67, and the Renzo Cain's going 98. Okay.
3: So 12, and that's like mid five in a in a 12 teamer, um, mm-hmm. and about a mid four, or mid four in a in a um, 15 teamer. 15. Yeah. Um, I think there's potential for Yelich to get into the second or third round from a value perspective. So that's why I like Yelich. I like his lineup spot. I like his park. I like the fact that it was a trade and he's motivated. Um, I don't like Kane and I don't like Kane for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm very leery of anybody in a, that signs a big money contract in their first year. I've just always been leery of it over the last four or five years. Um, it's it's played out. Um, pitchers, not so much, depending on who it is. Like, you know, I'm not going to fade Scherzer going from Detroit to Washington because the situation improved so much that you know you had to overlook that rule. Um, but Hanley Ramirez was a complete bust his first year in, in Boston. Uh, Sandoval. Like, if guys mm-hmm. are switching leagues, Kane is switching leagues. I know the ballpark gets way better. okay, But Kane is switching leagues um, and won't know uh, the pitchers as much. Like Yelich is staying in the National League, so he knows the pitchers. So Kane doesn't know the pitchers. Uh, signed a big contract. Uh, he's got an injury history. He plays center field. I, I just, to me, I think there's a lot of buzz on Kane, and I'm not, I'm not loving it in terms of I think now he's an industry darling, mm-hmm. and you've got too many people that are just all over him, um, and so that's why. Um, He's 31. He's playing center. I, I just I, – it wouldn't shock me if this dude gets hurt. Yeah. And, again, you know, all of a sudden maybe Orlando Garcia becomes a leadoff guy and then we're off to the races. But um, I love Jelic in this spot. And he's just been such a consistent guy and showing growth every year. And he's significantly younger. You know, he's really at that stage in his career. Where he's showing like upward, you know, trajectory. Um, he's 26, so you gotta love it. Um, mm-hmm. Versus 31, and um, I'm buying Yelich all day long.
2: Yeah, I absolutely love Yelich. Uh, you mentioned how with Kane, you're not a fan of guys in their first year of a big deal. How do you evaluate guys in the last year of their deals?
3: Well, it doesn't really come into play for me. Okay. Um, I, I don't. I don't really. No, I've just
2: I heard those that, that narrative street, you know, playing for a contract. I've heard that. So I was curious how you
3: looked uh at data it. data really didn't show anything to me. I mean, I don't, you know, I think everyone's different. I mean, there's been times where guys have completely busted in free agent years. So um you know it's it's one of those things where I think that you know, you're only I think I think, you know, and this is just my feeling, I think that was more of a thing in the steroid era because mm-hmm. we saw guys just absolutely explode in that free agent year. And now mm-hmm. we probably know why. Um, yeah. Whereas now, um, you know, we don't see players showing up to spring training, adding 30 pounds of muscle because, um, you know, <laughs> it just can't, yeah. can't it's just, you can't, can't do a it. Little different. I it's a little difficult wait.
2: these days. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah.
3: Yep. So, um, you know, I don't think it's as big of a deal now. And, Heck, um, most of the big-time guys don't have free agency anyway, Um, usually. I mean, I know some might next year, but a lot of guys, you know, the free agent market's different today than it was, you know, 10 years ago too. So
2: So true. That's a whole other topic for a whole other day. Um, The
3: the last question I have for you
2: is from at Diamond Hoggers. Um, This is an issue because I've heard this. There's so many – different takes on Cody Bellinger. He's going 24th overall right now in most drafts. He's the fourth first baseman off the board in front of like Anthony Rizzo, Abreu, and so on and so forth. Is he being overdrafted? What's your opinion on Cody Bellinger?
3: Yeah, that's a type of player that I'm just going to avoid um, because, um, again, I'm not a big fan of – early early in a draft or early, you know, in an auction, paying up for a guy that's, um, you know, just kind of, um, yeah, of course he was a good prospect, but just went, you know, ballistic. Um, and, I, you know, we saw, you know, pitchers now are going to have a scouting report on him, and it wouldn't shock me if this is a guy that really struggles coming out of the gate. And then has to make midseason adjustments, and then it's just a matter of if he can make them or not. So it's really hard for me to draft a guy like that when, like you mentioned, the Brayu, um, you know, even um, Will Myers. You know, I'm yeah. not a huge Hosmer fan, but you know, it's kind of hard to spend a second rounder on a guy like Bellinger when there's just so many other guys that are in better spots and and and, you know better so um you know it's a little scary when you look at where he is and you know it's just like you know do you feel better about you know the abreus of the world even other positions you know i mean God, I feel a hell of a lot better about Edwin Encarnacion later. You know, not much later, but just, you know, again, you said, you know, sexy doesn't, you know, I think that the the range of outcomes on Bellinger is so wide that you're paying for the 90th percentile where he's going. And I'm just not going to do that.
2: Like you're you're talking, we've talked pretty much consistency and what you can expect. You have Freeman going before him. You have Rizzo, Abreu, guys like Encarnacion, Will Myers. Um, Who else? There's there's a bunch, and if you want to wait, if you want to take a gamble and wait, you can get like Carlos Santana at 171. Talk about consistency. The guy hits 260 with 30 plus homers in a new ballpark in Philadelphia. Like, yep. There's 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 a lot of no things. no
3: doubt. I think that it's just yeah. one of those things. Where that player that player. Um, I yeah. probably will not own.
2: I'm completely with you. It's, it's I love watching the kid. I love what he's doing. But it, it, the one thing that people can't separate is real life and fantasy. And there's a big difference in what you want to see.
3: So like, would you be shocked if he hit 235 with 28 nope. home runs and 85 ribbies?
2: I wouldn't be shocked if he was this nope. year's Joey Gallo yep. by any means. Like, not even shocked at all.
3: And you can't (laughs) do that. Like, it'd be really hard for me, you know. Like, Edwin, you know, what's the worst that Edwin, you know, barring injury, the worst that I can see Edwin and Canarcion being is like 250, 25, 85. I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, it's just.
2: A round or two later. His
3: floor is so incredible versus. um, And again, Edwin was in that first year. And everything, you know, I think I think now he's in his second year in that situation, so mm-hmm. completely different. I feel much better. Um, and he still rebounded and did well. So, you know, you gotta give him a lot of credit there. Yep.
2: And I, I love Cody Bellinger and I, I I hope he does well. I just when it comes to drafting at that point of draft, i yeah,
3: to go people well. forget that he was he was a, a late round pick or a waiver wire pick, you know, and now to yeah. take that guy in the second round, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the guy that fired on jo- Jonathan Villar is going to fire again on, on judge and, and on Bellinger and, you know, those guys every year, they forget about what happened They just, they just keep firing away.
2: And I, I can
3: you know, again,
2: one last thing is I, I laughed about it. Cause I understand how it looks different from what quote unquote industry standards are. But I came out, I come out with my rankings all, uh, weekly and I had my outfield ones come out and I had, Andrew Benintendi ahead of Bellinger and Judge, and someone asked me why. And I said, I know they're all young, but from what I see from Benintendi, he's A, done it more than they have, and B, I just for me, I don't know, I could be totally wrong, I see much more consistency out of him than those two, at least from all five yeah, categories.
3: Benintendi was, I don't remember the exact stat, I don't have it in front of me, but he was one of only four guys to, like, in all five categories produced positive value, but at a, at a, at a good clip, like it was like bets um, Ben attendee. And I forgot who the other two were, but maybe trout was in there, but there was like four guys that I had found that had like 20 home runs, 20 steals, 275 average, 80 ribbies and 80 runs or something like that. I think Those that was all the them. categories and um, Goldschmidt might've been in there. Um, but dude, it was like four and Benetton and he was one of them and yeah, maybe that's worth 20 bucks or whatever, whatever, you know, at the end of the day though, that profile is going to be a five when I'm, when I'm going down my list and I'm in a, in a players at auction or in a, in a draft and I'm looking at a group of players and I see somebody with a five next to it. As far as my ratings go, I'm going to take the guy's five. And, yeah, I
2: love I love what Ben and I think Ben and Dave's still developing. Yep. I know that's that's pure speculation, but like you well, he's said, he's got to figure numbers, out
3: lefties. Yeah. He's got to figure True. out lefties, and um, uh, you know, so let's hope they don't screw around with him in the batting order. But True. if they if they let him, you know, hit in that prime spot, you know, second or whatever, um, he should be fine. This is a guy. Again, we talk about pedigree. Um, this guy's a hitting machine. Yep. And um, that's the type of player that can go from two seventy to three hundred in one shot. And Good and done. and how much is that worth in today's game? Tremendous. So if we see if we see you know skills growth of like you know, three to four home runs and let's say the steals stay the same, but the runs go up five ten, the ribbies go up five ten. But the batting average goes from 270 to 300 or something like that, which which is certainly conceivable. You know, now all of a sudden we're talking about a player that's a second round pick. And so, um, you know, that's the thing is um, 20 home runs and 20 steals in this day and age with the batting average is worth a hell of a lot more than what people realize.
2: Yeah, that's tremendous. Well, Michael, we could sit and chat all night. I appreciate all the great info, but I won't hold you up too much longer. Um, Everybody, check out Michael on Twitter, at Fantasy Wrath. Lots of good stuff from Michael when it comes to the fantasy game and other stuff as well. So please go check him out. And, Michael, thanks for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it, man.
3: Yeah, man, anytime. Appreciate it. Had fun.
2: No, I had fun. Great conversation. A lot of stuff. Um, Not too much player talk. A lot of great draft prep and it's, you know, almost middle of February, so people are going to be blowing and going here real soon. So, everybody, go, again, go check them out at Fantasy Wrath. This was Bench with Bubba, Episode 71. Catch you guys next time.